This show is for the sales leader who knows they have a pivotal role in driving outstanding sales results. Getting hired or promoted to manage a sales team is a big accomplishment, but you know you have to work hard to become a great sales leader. You are listening to the Divine Comedy of Sales podcast. Here's your host, coach and advisor to elite sales leaders from around the world, Matt McDarvey. Hello and welcome to this episode of the Divine Comedy of Sales podcast. This episode is titled, How Do I Prioritize as a Sales Leader? I'm Matt McDarvey, veteran seller, leader, coach and advisor to elite sales leaders all over the world. Thank you so much for joining and listening to this episode. Welcome to the Divine Comedy of Sales. As I said at the top, this episode is about prioritizing as a sales leader. And to summarize, great sales leaders know which activities will translate into the best payoff for the business. And they invest in those things first. So you might hear that and think, well, what are those things, Matt? Well, here we go. That's what this episode's all about. So the first thing that great sales leaders prioritize is they they invest in the people with the highest potential first. Now, you know that I believe words matter, and I want to be really clear when I use the word potential. What I find in my work with sales leaders is that can be a term that's misinterpreted or how people evaluate or judge potential varies a great deal. So when I say potential, I'm talking about possible as opposed to actual. What are people capable of becoming, right? So it's very sort of forward-looking, which is different than performance. So if I were using performance as the only criterion to guide where I invest my time as a leader, I would have to be looking at, at current performance past performance only. And that's not necessarily the best, the way the best sales leaders uh, decide to invest their time. So when we talk about investing in the people with highest potential first, what you should conclude here is that great sales leaders give some thought to the potential of members of their team. Can, can this person grow? Can she give more? Uh, Do I see evidence that this person is ready to learn and take on more responsibility? Does this person's behavior suggest that they are, in fact, a high potential member of my team? So this has got to be more than just a sort of a gut, gee, I like that person. I think they're high potential. The people on your team send you signals every day regarding how much potential they really have. Examples of the behavior that would indicate the opposite of high potential would be those sort of self-limiting behaviors, people that don't want to try something new, people who are so averse to change that they don't want to try new methods simply because that's hard and putting in extra effort is something that they don't make high priority. You've probably seen this in your experience if you've led teams or if you've been a member of a team over time, you may think of colleagues who behave that way. Well, those are simply signals that they may not be the highest potential members of the team. So the the best sales leaders that I know, know how to look for the behavior that indicates high potential and they invest accordingly. And so that's really the first component of investing in people with highest potential first. Now, the best leaders that I know 
also periodically assess or reassess their people, right? So they will update their assessment of who has highest potential on their teams. Because let's face it, teams change, motivation and behavior changes, and the dynamic of who is my highest potential or who are my highest potential players on the team is going to change over time. So what does that mean to you? If you're looking at your team today and thinking, you know, I used to have a certain sense that this person or this group of people were really high potential players. I've poured all my energy into them, but lo and behold, it seems like something has changed. Maybe there are other people I should be investing in first. Maybe some of the people I've invested in the past have sort of reached their at potential. Those might be signs if you're feeling that today, that it's time to take another assessment, take another pass at who are your highest potential players on your team so that you can maybe change your investment of time and put it toward those who are of highest potential. That is, after all, how great leaders look at their teams. It's a sort of constant state of assessment so that they know that they are investing in those members of the team who have highest potential now. Now, I mentioned a few moments ago about performance being another criterion that a leader could use to judge whether they would invest first or second into an individual team member's development. And really the point here is that another, another key element to the way that great sales leaders make decisions about who to invest in is that they focus on high potential players and they don't necessarily let current performance color their view of where they wanna invest first. Instead, they use a combination of potential and performance to make that judgment. If you think of it this way, you may have people on your team today who are performing at a high level, but who legitimately are giving every bit of effort that they can, and they're sending signals to you that, hey, I really can't do much more. I'm giving everything that I can. Great people to have on a team, right? They're solid performers, and every team needs them. But what we're trying to assess right now is who should I invest in first if I have only an hour remaining this week, right, where my inventory of time is very limited, I've got one more hour to invest into the development of members of my team. Am I going to apply that time to people who literally are giving all that they possibly can? They are stretched fully and they're giving me clear signals that, hey, I can't take more on and this is hard for me. Please don't push me beyond my level of effort and capability today. It doesn't make a ton of sense to invest that last hour of the week into people like that. Certainly dropping a message on them, letting them know that you're thinking of them. Sure, by all means, right? But take that hour and apply it to the people who have the potential to give you some payoff for that time. That's the way that great sales leaders think. So again, they invest in the people who have highest potential first. And that's one key way in which they're different from average leaders. Driving great sales results is hard. Doing it consistently is even harder. There are so many obstacles that can prevent you from becoming the most effective sales leader you can be. Find practical advice you can apply right away by picking up your copy of Matt's book, The Divine Comedy of Sales, at www.divinecomedyofsales.com.
So we're still on the topic of how to prioritize as a leader. And the second key idea here is that great sales leaders are ruthless prioritizers. You know, if you, if you could see my office right now, I have a sign that one of my very best friends gave me a few years ago. It's on a corkboard in my office, so it's right in front of my face as I work. And it says simply, ruthless prioritization. I think he got it at a Google event. He was at a Google headquarters a number of years ago. And suffice it to say, I, that struck me when I saw it in his office. I was like, hey, can you give me that? Uh, I need that reminder. Why? Because I've learned in my own experience as a leader, but being around great leaders, that they are really, really ruthless in how they prioritize their time. And what does ruthless mean in this context? Well, first, it means they say no to low priority matters. And let's face it, as a sales manager or a leader of leaders, we're confronted with low priority issues and, and matters all the time. Now, the people presenting these issues to us may feel like they are high priority, but it is our responsibility to judge whether these issues, escalation matters, questions, whether they really are high priority for us and for the business or not. Here's a typical example. I'm a frontline sales manager and a member of my team who's been with the firm, say, six months, comes to me with an urgent question. It's a question about a solution that we offer and the process for getting it spec'd and proposed to a client. I know this person has been briefed already and has been through more than one education session on how to approach the process. When I'm approached with this high priority request, the best thing that I can do, not only for my own time, but for the development of that person is to push back, right? Say, no, no, I'm not going to answer that for you. Here's the resource or go take a look at X, right? Where X is the onboarding manual or the resource on the internet, because I cannot invest time. Although it seems like a high priority matter, this is clearly a situation where the other person simply needs to invest some more time to go back to a resource they already have access to. Does that sound familiar to you? If you're a frontline manager, you may be confronted with this sort of a question or issue all the time. How much of your day can you afford to have eaten up with low priority matters? And I would argue that problems people can solve on their own with a tiny little bit of direction are great examples of low priority issues. As leaders, we have to be fiercely defensive of our time because of all the different requests that we get, right? Not only from our people, but from clients, from peers, from people in other functions, and on and on. Now, it's not enough to simply say no, go away, right? So the, the second thing that I find that leaders are doing who are really effective at prioritiz prioritization, right? They're ruthless about it, is more than just saying no to low priority matters, they will go to some lengths to help their people understand why certain tasks are low or high priority. Why is that important? Because if I'm pushing back and telling you as a member of my team that I cannot make this a priority, I've got to make sure that I'm not crossing over into the zone where it sounds like I'm saying, I don't care, and that's why I won't help you. So if I take the time to explain in the example I've offered, look, Mr. or Mrs. Salesperson who's been here six months, I think you can find the answer uh, to this question on your own, and it's really important that you develop the, the capability to do that. 
I've got to remind you, you have access to resource ABC123. Go pursue the answer, right? So the balance there is I'm really trying to encourage the other person to invest the time that's required to find what they need, to learn the answer so that they don't have to come back to me again for what would be, yet again, another low-priority use of my time. And in so doing, I am consciously modeling what good looks like. I want my salespeople to do the same thing. They're confronted with low-priority issues, questions, fire drills all the time. And if they don't defend their own time, and if they can't help other people to understand when what they're asking for is a relatively low-priority matter, then they're going to be faced with just another a, ver a version of the same problem we all have, which is we cannot make time available for more important things. Why? Because we're allowing low-priority issues to get in the way. So that's a way that great sales leaders not only defend their own time, but they model, they consciously model what good looks like for the people on their teams. Now, if you as a leader are doing an effective job of prioritizing high priority matters, which is what I've just been talking about, and you know intuitively that development, developing your people is a high priority matter, and you're investing first into the people who have highest potential, then another important idea that you can incorporate that I've observed from great sales leaders is that you need to discern which development opportunities are most important and impactful for the team and for the business. That's what great sales leaders do. So if you've done an effective job of pushing off low priority issues and escalations, and you know that you have to invest first not only, but first in your highest potential players, then the questions you can ask to determine, well, which are those development opportunities that are most important, that will give us the most payoff, are the following. First one is something you probably heard from me before. What do we need to achieve? Right? What's the business outcome that we want? Second, in order to achieve that outcome, where must we improve? Is there an area of sales execution or process, perhaps, where we really have to improve in order to put ourselves in position to achieve our desired outcome. So if I know where we must improve, then the next question is, like, when and how can I make an impact both in the short term, right? Making an impact on results in the short term. And when can I make an impact on maybe longer term considerations like people's development, which happens over time? So it's really those three questions. In order to discern which development opportunities are most important for you and for your team and your business, it's those three questions. What do we need to achieve? Where do we need to improve to achieve that outcome or set of outcomes? And then when and how can I make an impact both in the short term and in the long term? So those are a few ways in which great sales leaders not only identify but actually pursue the activities that will translate into the best payoff. So first, they invest in the people with highest potential first. Again, they're not ignoring people on their team, but they know that if they have a limited amount of time left in a given day or a week, that they need to invest it in the people who will give greatest return, who have the potential to grow more perhaps than others. 
Also, I've said they are ruthless at prioritization. They know that no one else is responsible for defending their time other than them, right? If I, as a leader, find myself constantly occupied by low-priority activities, whose fault is that? Great sales leaders know that's on them. They have to prioritize ruthlessly. And then finally, knowing that development activities are so critically important with your team, the next question is, well, which ones are the most important development activities? And we talked about some key questions there that will help you to determine where, well, where should you invest? If development is a critical part of your role, which it is, by the way, where should you go first? So those are my best few ideas regarding how to prioritize as a leader. I know it's hard, right? So all of these, I can tell you, I've applied myself. Uh, some I've learned uh, through trial and error, other ideas and lessons I've learned by watching the best at work and modeling after their behavior. So I hope you found today's episode really super helpful. In our next episode, we are going to dive deeply into how to influence your team's behavior. One of the things that I hear people are most frustrated by is I give the clearest directions, but I can't seem to get people to fully buy in and commit to doing the work that needs to be done. And, and I need to be able to influence change. And it's really frustrating. I can't do it. Well, join the club, right? It's hard for all of us. So what I'll talk about in our next episode is how to address that. How do you influence your sales team's behavior in a consistently effective, constructive, positive, virtuous way? So until then, this is Matt McDarby, author and host of the Divine Comedy of Sales podcast. Thank you so much for joining. Bye-bye for now. Look forward to seeing you soon.